This is the Sports Psychology Hour with Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I cannot express the gratitude what my son came and visited you. Dr. Jacobs has been in practice for 39 years as a sports psychologist. I have seen a change in youth sports in the last 10, 15 years. I've talked about it a lot on this show. The Sports Psychology Hour. The best advice on the radio each and every week. Failure and losing and screwing up is something that happens in life. It happens in sports. And I think we have to teach kids how to do that more effectively. This is where sports talk gets real. That word playing, it's gone from our society in a lot of ways with kids. And now here's your host, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Good morning, everybody. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs, and welcome to our show here at Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week as we talk about the mental side of sports, and we get into all kinds of topics on this show, like sportsmanship, confidence, attitude, how to be positive, how to be negative, how to win, how to lose, how to handle your coach, what happens when you win, what happens when you lose, what kind of attitude do you have when you play? Is it upbeat? Is it negative? What happens when you screw up? Well, today, we're going to get into how to coach losing. This past week in my office, I've had several clients who've been very frustrated because they're not doing well. And one of them, a college soccer player, even though they're not playing games, they're, playing, they're doing scrimmages because of the, the virus, they're, they're not competing, but they're doing within-team scrimmages, said the coach gets really upset when things don't go well and starts yelling and screaming. And she said, Doc, you know what? I, I can handle situations, but the yelling and screaming because somebody went the wrong way, it gets old. And after a while, you know what? Everybody sort of drowns it out, but he keeps yelling at us. Over the years, the 29 years I've been on radio here in Kansas City, our, and our show is, is rebroadcast in a number of cities around the country throughout the week, and um, shows are podcasted, as you know, on uh, here at Sports Radio 810 WHB. They're podcasted on my website, winnersunlimited.com, on Apple iTunes, on Spotify, um, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud. You know, I, I try to bring up topics that I think are worthy of discussion. And the whole issue of success, failure, winning, and losing, something we've talked about a lot. So what do those words mean? How do you coach your team, your athletes, when they lose, when they fail? That's what I want to get into today. What is, what is win- winning to me is did you accomplish your goals? You know, I've said it for years. You can have 50 teams competing. Everybody accomplishes their goals. They all succeeded. Only one team wins the championship, but everybody succeeds if they've accomplished their goals. You can have 10,000 people run a road race. If every one of those people runs their best time ever, they, they, all, they all won in their own way because they accomplished their goals. They didn't come in first, but they, they got better. If we focus on self-improvement, I can promise you you're going to get better. Losing and failure. Nobody. I, I've never met anyone who likes to lose. I've met people who've lost and have to deal with it because we all fail and we all lose at things. But when you're a coach, how do you coach your team 
when they lose, when they fail, when they screw up? What lessons can you get them to learn from that and how will they get better? I mean, a great example to me, the Kansas City Chiefs last week lost for the first time in 14 games. They won 13 games in a row. They won the Super Bowl last year. They were 4-0 this season. The Las Vegas Raiders beat them at Arrowhead Stadium for the first time in forever. And they won 13 games in a row. They lost. Well, I know a number of people who are really upset about that. I'm like, my God, they've won 13 games in a row. They're going to lose at some point. The last team to go undefeated in the NFL is the 1973 Miami Dolphins. Virtually no one goes undefeated anymore. So what will be interesting this week and the Chiefs play Monday night in Buffalo, which is a team that also lost for the first time this year. They're both 4-1. and one. Interesting to see how both teams react to that. How do you come back from a loss? I know the, the Chiefs have probably you know the best coach in the NFL right now, Andy Reid. Never met him, listened to him speak numerous times, and he obviously gets it. He understands how to coach, understands players. So it'll be interesting to see how how the team bounces back from that. So how do you coach your team when they've lost? How do you coach your athletes when they've failed? There are a lot of things you can do. Number, Number one, I think failure, losing are learning experiences, just like winning and succeeding are. What do you gain from that? Well, when you've lost, first of all, it's disappointing. When you failed, it's disappointing. Because no one goes into an athletic competition wanting, well, I won't say no one because there's always someone who wants to lose and screw up. But most people go into games, competitions, and want to win, want to do well. So what happens if your team loses? What happens if the athlete you're coaching loses or fails? That's what I want to get into today. If you're a coach, I'd love to hear from you and see what you do. When your team loses a big game when the athletes are coaching screw up and fail how do you coach them through it when, when your team is not playing well in a competition what do you say to them how do you encourage them how do you support them how do you do you, do you get angry now if you've got athletes screwing up and not trying and messing up that's not what i'm talking about i'm talking about if your team doesn't do well the athletes are trying but they get they got beaten what do you do as a coach How do you support them? How do you encourage them? How do you reinforce them to get better? I've mentioned this many times on the show over the years. Several years ago, there was a game, playoff game between the Seahawks and the Packers. It was in Seattle. Seattle was down. Seattle came back and won. And in the fourth quarter, Green Bay kicks, excuse me, Seattle kicks an onside kick. Green Bay's third string tight end. The ball takes a weird bounce, comes up, goes through his hands, hits his helmet. Seattle recovers. They go to the sideline, and the Green Bay special teams coach rips off his helmet and just goes over to this guy and just is in his face, just screaming at him. He had to be pulled away by other players. This player, there's still a lot of time left in the game. In fact, he was out on the field again a couple times. He's sitting there with his head in his hands. Now, I'm sitting there thinking, okay, this coach, I get it, you're ticked off, you guys blew it, but what benefit is there to scream and yell and, and obviously cuss the guy out? He didn't do it on purpose. It, it, he, I'm assuming he didn't do it on purpose. And he screwed up. There's still plenty of time. He still had to play more. 
So when you're degrading him and insulting him and screaming at him, unless that's how he gets motivated, which it didn't appear it did, that wasn't going to accomplish anything constructive. And that guy did go back on the field again. And no more onside kicks for him. But obviously, that play had a big impact on him. You know, he was released later, not long after the season ended for him. I don't think that's a constructive way to coach. I mean, I get it, you're upset. But it wasn't like the guy did it on purpose. The guy did it on purpose, that's different. So if you're coaching kids, and you have a, a young group of athletes or a young athlete you're coaching, and they've made a mistake, they've screwed up, they've failed... What do you say to them? How do you try to get them to move on? That's what I want to get at today. Because in, in, in much the same way, when you succeed or you win, I think you need coaches need to be as even-keeled as possible. You need to be the foundation, the core for these young people to help them get through it. Now, I'm going to share an example. My co-author of my book, Jeff Montgomery, years ago, my son played on his youth baseball team. One of the reasons I asked Monty to, to co-write my book with, with Pete Malone. And we had, we had a young man who was pitching who wasn't doing very well and threw his glove on the ground after he walked a guy. Jeff went out there and, and very calmly kneeled down and was talking to him. Told him, look, you can't do that. You do that again, you're going to have to come out of the game. Well, the, the young man got it together. Next inning, though, he did it again. Jeff went out took him out of the game. Didn't yell and scream at him. Pulled him to the side. Said, "Look, you sit down here. We're going to talk later." After the game, he he spent a good twenty minutes with his parent, this young man's parents, and and this young man talking about it and work with him at practice. Didn't yell and scream at him. He coached him. He worked with him. That's what it's about. All right. So I'd like to hear from you. If you're a coach, when you have an athlete or your team fails or screws up or loses, what do you say to them? How do you handle it? How do you handle yourself? Sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs, give me a call and let's talk. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist, with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development, our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio. America, your children have an amazing superpower. They can help save lives by not having playdates. That's right. By replacing get-togethers with virtual playdates and video chats, they can help slow the evil spread of germs. And if your superheroes do go outside, make sure they continue their superhero wing by staying six feet away from others to protect everyone in America land. 
Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Let's be honest. The National Symphony may not be in his future, but he wanted to try violin. So you said yes because you love him. And if you love him that much, love him enough to make sure he's buckled up and in the back seat. Find out more about keeping your kids safe in your vehicle at nhtsa.gov slash the right seat. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit nhtsa.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Hey, Dad, how do airplanes fly? What's in this box? Can I touch this? Where does sand come from? Is this tree good for climbing? What happens if I mix these two things together? How are babies made? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Talking to them about gun safety in your home is a good first step, but you can do more. Always keep your guns locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Storing your guns securely is the best way to prevent family fire, including unintentional shootings. For more information on safe gun storage and ways to keep your family safe, visit endfamilyfire.org. That's endfamilyfire.org. What do we keep in the attic? What's this thing called? Can I ride my bike backwards? Like I said, kids are curious. It's up to us to keep them safe. Brought to you by End Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council. Olivia, from Washington. Laid off and trying to keep our little kids from realizing that mommy and daddy haven't eaten in a while. Roger, from California. I'm grateful we could afford our son's surgery. I'm nervous that now we can't really afford food. Daniel, from California. Choosing whether to pay the rent or pay to fix the car to get to work doesn't leave us with much at all. Now we can't even pay for meals. Donna from Louisiana. The storm just hit, and we went from donating to the food bank to needing it. Keisha from South Carolina. I've been skipping meals so my two kids can eat, but filling up on water doesn't really work. Hunger is a story we can end. End it at feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. In the the book that I co-wrote with Jeff Montgomery, Pete Malone, Just Let Him Play, Guiding Parents, Coaches, and Athletes Through Youth Sports, our third chapter is called Embracing Failure Can Lead to Fun. And a lot of people say, well, why would you write that? Failure is not fun. You're right. Failing isn't fun if you look at it that I failed. But if you look at it, I learned something about myself today. It's going to make me better. It can improve you. Now, a lot of people may not agree with that, but that's just the way I think. But I'd like to get some calls in here. I'd like to hear from you. If you if you have played sports and you've screwed up at something, how did, did, did you learn from it? Did you grow from it? Did you get better from it? Or did, it, did you get worse because of that? Did you get depressed? You know, confidence, the ability to believe in yourself is like the wind. And, you know, it can blow one way and then it can go the opposite, depending on what happens. And I'd love to hear from you. You're a coach, you're an athlete. If you're a parent and you watch your kids fail, how do you ha- help them after a game? Do you say anything to them later on when you get home to help them get through it? You know, sports is is 
I think, the greatest medium to learn about who we are and what we're about because it's a physical and psychological event. It's a combination of both. So losing is going to happen. If you're a coach, how do you coach it? Well, I think you, you talk with your team. You discuss in practice strategies, game plans, mindsets. If we play well, here's what we're going to do. If we don't play well, here's what we're going to do. And you come up with a strategy to work with your team on. Men, I, I, I talk about four key words. Preparation, focus, attitude, and confidence is the keys to success. It starts with preparation and finishes with confidence. Preparation is how you get ready mentally, physically, psychologically, emotionally, spiritually, nutritionally. What are all the things you do to get ready? How do you get yourself in that, in that mindset? And that affects your focus, the distractions that go on, the type of attitude you have, and then how you, your confidence is affected. And so to me, if, if you're prepared, you, you talk about a game plan. Here's how we're going to do well. Here's, how, if we, here's what we're going to do if we do well. Here's what we're going to do if we don't do well. But you've got to be grounded as a coach, I think, in that. Yeah, you need to let your emotions show sometimes. But if you go too overly negative, it can really cause some problems. All right, let's see what Brad has to say. Brad, good morning. How are you? Good morning, doctor. How are you? Great. Thanks for calling. Um, you probably know who this, this is. This is Brad Sweeten. Brad, tell everybody who you are. I appreciate you calling in. I'm a former athletic director at uh, Center High Schools for the Center School District. And um, a longtime coach, I guess, too. And you know a little bit about this topic. Well, a little bit. Um, well, actually, actually I'm going to interrupt you. You know a lot about it. You, you know, you've called the show before. So, okay, I, go ahead and comment. I want to see what you have to say about this. The, the comment I wanted to make, and I've never coached a professional athlete or a college athlete, but I believe with kids, we're trying to make them make better decisions in life. You talked about the young man who threw down his glove after a walk. Um, I, I think that we're trying to make them, or, or maybe a kid that screwed up in a game, made a big error or dropped a ball, um, we're trying to make them better in their life, better as adults. So I, I really believe that we're trying to teach them how to react when things don't go right as an adult, whether it's um, um, you know a marital problem or how to deal with how to how to coach their own kid, or um, what to do when they lose a job, and um, you know you can't beat up the boss when you lose your job. And, um, well, some people think know, they can. Well, uh, yes, they do. Um, but you're right; you can't do that. But there are people who get angry and they don't handle it well, and that's. But anyway, go ahead. We'll come back to that. Go on. But I believe you're t- trying to teach kids how to react in a negative situations, and so I, I believe after a loss, you need to talk about things that went right and things that could go right moving forward. What happens? Yeah, though, let, let me let me ask you a question, though, Brad. Okay, so I, I agree with you, but what happens if you have a young man or young lady who doesn't want to hear it because they're so upset that they've they've messed up? Their parents are angry at them because they've messed up. You can't do that. You need to do better. You know, I spend all this money for your lessons and for your coaching and for practices and uniforms and traveling. You've you've got to do better. So wh- what do you say to them then? Well, I believe a real coach coaches the kids and the adults. I mean, you maybe have to step back and start at the beginning and think about why we're really doing this. Um, if, if you have a kid that's a 
junior in high school and you think you're going to get a college, your full ride college, that's, you know, the realistically, that doesn't happen a whole lot. Um, uh, if you look at statistics, you know, only a very small percentage of kids ever go to, on to play at a, any sport at a college level. And, and, um, and, and, and let me interrupt you here, Brad. I agree with you, and I've said it many times. I think if he, today, in 2020, if a young athlete makes it to college and is competing there, they've survived the world of youth sports, haven't they? Oh, very much so. Because it, it's youth sports today has gotten so competitive, and you know, and I've talked about forever on this show. I've got big time problems with all these heavy competitions for six and seven and eight year olds. I think it's wrong, but I don't think they should be doing that at that point. It's, it's great to play. But all these heavy competitions where winning is emphasized at those ages to me is ridiculous. And I, I think that puts pressure on kids. And then I think that's why when they start screwing up when they get older, they have a lot of problems with that. Do you agree with that? Very much so. I, I remember playing baseball at 8 to 10 years old, and you went out for an ice cream cone, even win or lose. And everybody was laughing and having fun at the ice cream shop, you know. And because it didn't matter that you won or lost. What matters is that you got to go play. And we got to be with our friends. You know, it, it's all about the relationships to me. And, yeah, and, and that's and that's so 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 when so if 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 your team loses, if they've they've lost a key game, as a coach, what should you say? How do you handle that? And how do you handle the young athletes who are obviously upset about it? Uh, I would, once again, I believe you talk about the positives that happened, the positives that got you in that situation. Um, uh, you know, and if you want to do something that focuses on the negative, you go out and hit the ground ball to the kid 50 times. Or you go out and throw the pass to the kid. Let's play catch and do this and, and talk about how we get better. At practice, then practice. you go, yeah, yeah, you go to practice the next day, next time you have practice, take them out there and go, okay, let's talk about what happened here. You struck out. And first ask them, why do you think you struck out? What, what do you think happened? All right, then let's work on what you can do to change that to make it better. That's the way you. That's the way you coach, in my opinion. Actually, thirty seconds. I agree. I agree with that, doctor. Well, Brad, I want to thank you for calling. As always, great comments. You're you're a great man. You've done a lot of wonderful things for young kids, and uh, thank you for your comments this morning. Thank you for your show, doctor. I appreciate that. All right, you take care of yourself. Thank you. Thank you. If you're a coach and your team loses, how do you coach them through that? This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive, realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development. Our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio. 
One in three adults has pre-diabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has pre-diabetes, with early diagnosis, pre-diabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has pre-diabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. America, your children have an amazing superpower. They can help save lives by not having playdates. That's right. By replacing get-togethers with virtual playdates and video chats, they can help slow the evil spread of germs. And if your superheroes do go outside, make sure they continue their superhero wing by staying six feet away from others to protect everyone in America land. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Let's be honest. The National Symphony may not be in his future, but he wanted to try violin. So you said yes because you love him. And if you love him that much, love him enough to make sure he's buckled up and in the back seat. Find out more about keeping your kids safe in your vehicle at nhtsa.gov slash the right seat. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit nhtsa.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Hey, Dad, how do airplanes fly? What's in this box? Can I touch this? Where does sand come from? Is this tree good for climbing? What happens if I mix these two things together? How are babies made? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Talking to them about gun safety in your home is a good first step, but you can do more. Always keep your guns locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Storing your guns securely is the best way to prevent family fire, including unintentional shootings. For more information on safe gun storage and ways to keep your family safe, visit endfamilyfire.org. That's endfamilyfire.org. What do we keep in the attic? What's this thing called? Can I ride my bike backwards? Like I said, kids are curious. It's up to us to keep them safe. Brought to you by N Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Good morning, everyone. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week talking about the mental side of sports here on the Sports Psychology Hour. And my topic this morning is this. How do you coach when you lose? How do you coach your athletes when they fail? Just had a great call from Brad Sweeten, former athletic director here in Kansas City. He does a great job with young people, and I appreciate his call very much. And I'd like to hear from you. If you're, if, if you're a coach and your team or the athletes you work with have lost, what do you say to them? How do you get them through it? How do you teach them to grow and get better? Do you say anything? Do you ignore them? Do you avoid them? If you're a parent and your son or daughter's coach you think doesn't do a good job of that, 
I'd love to hear from you why that is. It's inevitable that we will fail and we will lose and we'll screw up. And to me, it's a great opportunity to learn and grow, to get better. So I think as a coach, you know, I've talked about it many times on this show, a coach wears many hats. You're a guide, you're a mentor, you're a psychologist, you're a disciplinarian. You help mold and shape these young people that you work with. And the impact you have on them leaves a lasting impression. Especially, I think, when the team or the athletes don't succeed. Because let's face it, we're all going to screw up, like I said. I mentioned at the top of the show this past week, Kansas City Chiefs lost for the first time in 14 games. I know people are all upset. How could they lose? Well, because you're going to lose. What will be interesting is how they bounce back. Same with Buffalo Bills because they play each other Monday night. They both lost for the first time. They were both 4-0. Now they're 4-1. Which team will come out on top? Which team will have learned from what happened last week to them? Buffalo got blown up by Tennessee at Tennessee, a team that hadn't practiced for over a week because of the virus, and the Chiefs lost to the Raiders. So which team will come back and play better? So if you're a coach, what do you say to your team? What do you say to an athlete when they fail? I'd love to hear from you. If you're an athlete and you've had a coach who you think didn't help you when you failed or screwed up, why? What damage or negatives did that affect you? How did that affect you in a negative way? And I'd love to hear from you. All right, Blake, what do you want to comment on this? So I, I don't have a negative story. I actually have a really positive story about one of the best coaching um, moments that I can – it sticks out in my mind forever. Um, coach Justin Hoover, uh, he's the head coach right now of Shawnee Mission East Lancers, one of the best coaches I've ever had. Uh, he's also the the founder and owner of Spinet Quarterback Academy. But there was a, a moment in my senior year in high school where we were supposed to be pretty good, and we had started the season like 1-3. and three. Like just, just not. I mean, we were not on the trajectory that we were supposed to be. So instead of ranting and raving, and this was after our, our third loss, we were one and three. I ran and raving and and getting on us and punishment running and and doing all this other stuff. What he did at practice one day was basically he took us aside, all of the seniors, all of the seniors, the captains, every single senior on the team. He took us aside, away from the team, and led us down to the end zone. And basically, we took off all of our pads. He said, let's just all sit down on the ground. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to have a talk. Let, let me interrupt you right there. Yeah, go ahead. See, that right there, what you just said, in my opinion, is called coaching. Phenomenal. Okay. It's, it's called teaching. That's a teachable moment. Go ahead. So go on. So, so pretty much the gist of the, the conversation that he had with us is he was like, guys, you know, I know we're in a in a weird spot right now. We're we're not where anybody thought we would be. We're not where you guys thought we would be. And I could sit here and I could yell at you and I could have spit flying out of my mouth, but just seething with anger. And you know what? That that's not going to do anything. So he gave us this speech, and, and I'm going to try to make this brief. But basically, what he said was, right now, we are on the side of a cliff, and we are hanging off the side of it, and we have our we're hands dug into the side. Now, you know what? We could easily let go and fall and, and let this season end up where it does. We could. And you know what? That's really easy to do. And, you know, and, and I get it. He said, or what we could do is you could look to the guy next to you because he's also on that cliff with you. 
And you could dig your hands into that cliff and climb and climb and climb. And as long as we all dig in, fingers bleed, and climb to the top together, we can make something out of this season. You guys can let go if you want, or we can try to get back to the top and just maybe see what we can do as long as you do it with your teammates. So how did you react to that? Oh, man, I'll tell you what. Uh, we were the first team ever in the state of Kansas to lose five games in a season to make it to the state playoffs. Make it to, I'm sorry, correction, make it to the state championship game. Okay, so so what happened from that was that was, it, you hear the term teachable moment. Mm-hmm. That was a teachable moment where instead of criticizing you guys and cutting you down, he gave you an opportunity to think and do some introspection, look at yourselves and ask yourself, what can we do to get better? That's to me what coaching is. So when you when you have failed, or lost or messed up, that's a great opportunity to learn and to grow. And see, here's the key thing that I'm picking up. He didn't talk at you, he talked with you. So, because I see lots, and and I've been on so many teams over the years, the coaches get mad and they yell and scream because the team messed up. All right, now, some athletes are gonna take that as a motivational tactic and it'll help them. Let's face it, there are people out there it gets them excited and pumps them up. And there are a lot of people out there that happens and it, it turns them off. That's why you have, as a, a good coaches, take the time to understand their athletes as people. The young ladies or young men they're coaching, they get to know them as a person. What motivates them? What pumps them up? What scares them? When I work with, with athletes in my office, I ask them the first session, I give them a homework assignment. I have a piece of paper that has five, five words on it and they have to fill it out. Their goals, strengths, weaknesses, fears, and distractions. What, what are their goals that you've got? What do you want to accomplish? What are your strengths? What do you see your strong points being? What are your weaknesses? What are the things you need to work on? What are you, your fears? What are you afraid of? And what are the distractions or stressors that get in the way of that? That gives me a picture of that young person. And then we work on that. There's also a personality test I give to teenagers and older kids. Uh, older than 16, and, and, and we get a whole computerized printout about how they handle stress and person their personality characteristics. That gives me an idea of that. I think coaches, really good coaches, get to understand their athletes as people, and they, they learn to figure out, okay, this young lady under pressure gets, gets she, she focuses better. So I'm, I'm gonna get her to really challenge herself more, and I'm gonna put some pressure on her. This young lady, however, when the pressure comes on, I can see her tense, tense up and tighten up, so I need to be more supportive and rein, reinforcing her. That's where you, you get to get teacher athletes how to handle that. So when an athlete fails, it, 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 and here's a great example. Last a year, and a year and a half ago, last summer, I had a young lady I'm seeing, an eighth grade girl, between eighth and ninth grade softball player. She's a first baseman, really good hitter. She got two hits, her first two at-bats, I think they were doubles. And then the next day, inning when she's in the field playing first base she made an error the coach slammed his helmet down kicked the bucket he was sitting on and pulled her out of the game okay and sent her to the end of the bench and glared at her this young girl's crying her parents were, were furious but they didn't do anything at, at the moment because they don't want to get involved but the young girl's crying she turned and looked at the parents they were telling her to calm, calm down and so after the game the parents went up to the coach and, and said, you know, what was all that about? Well, she can't screw up when she's out there. And so they, they left, took her home, and then they, they, they actually called me. They came in the next day because I had an opening. They came in, 
and we talked about this. And I said to the parents and the young lady, you need to go back and talk to the coach and have a conversation with him and discuss what he did and why you disagree with that, which they did. And the coach then apologized, said, you know, I'm sorry, it was the heat of the moment. And, and the parents said, look, we get it. But you know what? That didn't help our daughter any. And the young girl spoke up and said, you know, you didn't even talk to me because she just glared at me. I mean, I didn't make the error on purpose. I screwed up. Well, the season was almost over, and they left that team. They said they're not going to play for him anymore because they didn't like the way he handled that. And she learned to deal with that. And I said, look, you're going to have coaches that are going to be like that. You've got to handle that psychologically, emotionally. You've got to have the confidence to work through it. But you also have to sit down, since you're old enough now, since she was 14, if this happens again with a coach, you need to sit down at practice the next day and say, Coach, can I talk to you? Not after the game because emotions are high, but sit down at practice the next day and say, can we talk about what happened? This is why it didn't help me, or this is why it hurt, and communicate that. And I think good coaches are going to take the time to realize what they've done and work with you on that. I'd love to hear from you if you're a coach. And your team, the athlete you're coaching, fails, screws up, messes up. What do you say to them? How do you handle it? If you've done something really good to help them, or maybe you've done something badly in a, in a bad way, I'd love to hear from you. Give me a call and let's talk. How do you coach your team, your athletes, when they fail, when they lose? That's our topic today. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development, our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio. One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy. Your football buddy. Or you, your best man. Your worst man. You, your dog walker. Your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has prediabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. Hey, Dad, how do airplanes fly? What's in this box? Can I touch this? Where does sand come from? Is this tree good for climbing? What happens if I mix these two things together? How are babies made? 
What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Talking to them about gun safety in your home is a good first step, but you can do more. Always keep your guns locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Storing your guns securely is the best way to prevent family fire, including unintentional shootings. For more information on safe gun storage and ways to keep your family safe, visit endfamilyfire.org. That's endfamilyfire.org. What do we keep in the attic? What's this thing called? Can I ride my bike backwards? Like I said, kids are curious. It's up to us to keep them safe. Brought to you by End Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello, everybody. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Today's topic is this. How do you coach your team, your athletes, about losing, about failing? It's a topic that I think is very relevant for everybody because we all screw up and fail. The question is, how do you bounce back from it? How do you learn from it? You know, teams go on losing streaks. They'll lose one game, then they lose another, and then they fail again. And you get in that negative mode, that negative mindset. So much of this to me is about, let's face it, beyond teaching techniques and things like that, it's coaching and teaching attitudes, teaching mindsets, teaching the behavioral side of things. I see, you know, I've been fortunate enough to work with the Olympic team, with professional teams, with college teams. I've been around some, some incredible coaches, some coaches who are extremely emotional, some coaches who are even keeled, some coaches who get upset easily and excited easily. But the ones who succeed are the ones, in my opinion, who let their athletes know where they stand, meaning the coach, as well as as the athletes and where they stand. And they deal with that together. So if you screw up and make a mistake and your coach gets upset, you're not upset as an athlete because you know the coach cares about you. But then I've seen athletes whose coaches are not good communicators, they're not good listeners, and what ends up happening is when the coach gets upset, the athlete gets upset because the coach is upset and it just it's, it's like this never-ending spinning negative modes in their mindset. So, so much of it's about the communication and li- I, I think as a coach, I said it earlier, as a coach, you need to be a good listener. You need to be a good communicator, but most importantly, you need to be a good listener. And you've got to understand what motivates this young person. If I say this to them, is it going to get them excited to do better? Or if I say this to them, is it going to maybe paralyze them? You know, I've said for years, you can have two athletes are physically the same. The one with a stronger mind will be the one who will come out on top. Well, how do you teach kosher athletes to have a stronger mind? In practice, you work on failure. You work on losing. You work on making mistakes. And you work on how are you going to handle that? How are you going to deal with that? What are you going to do if you screw up? Years ago, I worked as a consultant with the Australian men's uh, national swimming team. We came over to the United States. And they're in a meet in Mission Viejo out in Southern California. And I'd been working with them along with my professor, Dr. Robert Nidefer. And we had a young man who was swimming the 200-meter freestyle. And we worked on relaxation and visualization. 
He really bought into it. It was really helping him before 200-meter race. We got him into that mindset. He went out and after just short of the 150-yard, 150-meter mark, the last turn, he was ahead of world record pace. And in his mind, he knew he was doing really well. And then it hit him, I better turn fast, because next to him was a guy named Roddy Gaines, who was the eventual Olympic champion at this. So this young man turned before the wall and missed the wall. He got disqualified. It was a heartbreaking experience for him because he was on world record pace and his strength was his finishing kick. Needless to say, he was pretty bummed and down. But the coach, a guy named Dennis Persley, who was an American who went to Australia to coach, didn't get mad at him. When he got out of the water, this young man was really upset, put his arm around him and said, hey, you know what? I'm really proud of you because you were kicking butt. We've got to get you to figure out what you, why you turned so fast. And then he, the three of us sat down and talked about it. He said, you know, it hit me. Oh, my God, I looked next to me, and I saw still water, and I realized, oh, my God, I'm ahead of Rowdy. I better turn. And that was a learning experience for him. He failed in a situation that he could have set a world record. But he learned from that. And the coach was supportive of that. It wasn't angry at him. He was disappointed for him because he was doing so well. But that helped him down the road. That's what, to me, coaching is. When you fail and screw up, you teach an athlete how they can get better at it. How, how do you learn from this? How does that make you better? I know throughout my, my 40 years of work, it's something that I've had many, many, many athletes talk to me about. And it doesn't matter if they're 10-year-old gymnasts or 35-year-old baseball professional, major league baseball players. It's, it's how you deal with that failure. What do you take from it How's it going to help you get better the next time? And that's, I think, good coaches take the time to coach their teams mentally about their mindsets, about how to handle these situations. Let's place it. If you, face it, if you play a football game or a soccer game or a basketball game, volleyball game, things are going to happen. Mistakes are going to happen. Play a tennis match, you're not going to probably win every time six love, six love. You play golf, you're probably not going to par every hole. How do you handle it when you, when you make a bad shot? How do you handle it when you make a mistake? Most people don't like... I work, work with several uh, professional golfers. And one of them I'm working with right now, who's on one of the mini tours, said to me, you know, my problem is when I, when I hit a bad shot, it carries over and then I hit another bad shot. And then, I, then I know I have to stop it but I've got to stop myself from making it carry over into to one more bad shot. So we're working on that. And, and because he's got this fear that it's going to continue. And then he starts focusing on the negative and that's where his mindset is. So it's how you handle those situations. And, and see, to me as a coach, if you take the time to sit down and, and Blake talked about this earlier, his coach talked with them about how, the situation they were in and how they felt about it and how are you going to bounce back from it. That's what, that's what a coach's job is, to communicate and to be a good listener. Well, and one of the things that, that I didn't add to that story was at the very end of that, this, this really great speech, and I, I probably did not do it justice enough, but he, it was one of the best speeches I'd ever heard because, like I said, he wasn't mad. He was just trying to explain to us, guys, this is where we're at, and that's just the reality of the situation. One of the, the very next things he did was follow it up. He's like, talk to me. I want to I go around the circle and everybody just let me know where they're, what they're feeling and what, 
what do you think that we can do as coaches to help you guys out that way we're all on the same page and that to me is something so rare in coaching nowadays you rarely get usually because coaches especially when you get coaches who maybe haven't done it for as long or don't really understand it they want to be the ones telling the kids what to do but sometimes the kids have to be the one giving you the feedback on hey this is how we feel let's come to an agreement in this is how we should be coached because you know this is what we're all going to be able to get not get along with but this is how we're all going to be able to operate better as a team and a staff. Well, so Blake, what what Justin Hoover did, your coach did, was he communicated with you, but he also took the time to listen to you and understand you about where you guys were at. And treated us like growing men. And one of the things that at the age at the time was... You're a high school athlete. Yeah. emphasize that. Yeah. And I was, yeah, we were in high school. And one of the things that Coach Holmes and Coach Hoover both said is, guys, you might be kids in your mind, but we want to make you men by the time you leave our program. So what they did was they treated us like people, not just kids, but they treated us like growing men, growing adults, and you know, not just teenagers, because that's what we were at the time. We were 18-year-old, 17, 18-year-old kids, but they treated us, they tried to treat us like growing men. Well, but I think that starts to me when kids are younger and start playing sports. That's where it starts when I think you have a coach who is going to work with you on failure and when you fail, how you learn from it, how you grow from it. And that, that to me is the key thing, not screaming and yelling, getting angry. Because that, when you've got seven, eight, nine, ten 10-year-old kids and they, they screw up, they make mistakes, which they will, and you have a coach that gets angry at them for that, that leaves a lasting impression on them as they get older and then they become afraid to fail and then they get so scared of it that they can't do well because they're, they're, there's it's called paralysis by analysis. You start thinking so much, you get stuck in your head. You know, this, this topic is one we're going to get into more. I'm going to have some guests on in the future to talk about this, to deal with this, because this is something that we can all learn from. So, you know, these shows are rebroadcast around the country in several cities, and my shows are also podcast on, on my website, winnersunlimited.com. Just go onto the podcast page and you can find them there. They're on SoundCloud, they're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for the Sports Psychology Hour and you'll find me. You've been listening to the Sports Psychology Hour. For more information, go to winnersunlimited.com. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development. Our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com radio. That's winnersunlimited.com radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com radio. Olivia, from Washington. 
laid off and trying to keep our little kids from realizing that mommy and daddy haven't eaten in a while. Roger, from California. I'm grateful we could afford our son's surgery. I'm nervous that now we can't really afford food. Daniel, from California. Choosing whether to pay the rent or pay to fix the car to get to work doesn't leave us with much at all. Now we can't even pay for meals. Donna, from Louisiana. The storm just hit, and we went from donating to the food bank to needing it. Keisha, from South Carolina. I've been skipping meals so my two kids can eat, but filling up on water doesn't really work. Hunger is a story we can end. End it at feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Hey, Dad, how do airplanes fly? What's in this box? Can I touch this? Where does sand come from? Is this tree good for climbing? What happens if I mix these two things together? How are babies made? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Talking to them about gun safety in your home is a good first step, but you can do more. Always keep your guns locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Storing your guns securely is the best way to prevent family fire, including unintentional shootings. For more information on safe gun storage and ways to keep your family safe, visit endfamilyfire.org. That's endfamilyfire.org. What do we keep in the attic? What's this thing called? Can I ride my bike backwards? Like I said, kids are curious. It's up to us to keep them safe. Brought to you by End Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council.